You are listening to Electric Bike Radio. Welcome to episode 24 of Electric Bike Radio, Under Pressure. I'm Dwayne, and this is my co-host, Jared. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yes, exactly. So this is another of our sort of how-to type episodes, but it's not a real techie one or, or, or too complicated. But, Jared, I know you like these how-to episodes. I do. Those are my favorite. Anything we can do to talk about stuff that nobody really needs to know. But we need to know this one, right? This is a good one. No, this is an important one for sure. And in the future, we'll talk more about tires, I think, and, and changing tires and that sort of thing. Uh, this week, we're going to try and limit ourselves to just talking about tire inflation, therefore under pressure. No matter how much of your maintenance that you want to delegate to others, you need to pay attention to your tire pressure. It's important to maintaining the integrity of your tires uh, and your wheels and just making sure you have a safe and comfortable ride and don't get stuck somewhere, too. Yeah, so we have a few things that you should be thinking about when it comes to your tires, and we're just going to sort of go through them in a logical order. The first thing is, you know, how much air do you need to put in your tires? And, and step one is you got to read the sidewall of your tire. The sidewall of your tire will be printed with a will certainly have a maximum pressure, but usually they have a range of pressures, like an operating range. And I will tell you, it can be difficult to read. I uh, try and get down on the floor to look at it or look at it when it's on a rack. Sometimes these days I need a flashlight because there's never any contrast. You know, these these letters are just sort of imprinted in the side of the tire, but but it'll be there. Right, yeah. They, they don't make these these signs flashy like all the logos and things like that. These are usually just molded straight into the rubber. And they don't... Sometimes they'll say min and max. Uh, sometimes they don't have anything like that. So you have to look for something that indicates a pressure rating, like PSI or in Europe, bar. Uh, most tires have both of those listed. But if you see numbers followed by any of those letters, that's your tire pressure rating you're looking for. Yeah, and once you figure out what that range is or what that, you know, the middle of the range is, I try to write that down somewhere so that I don't have to go searching on the tire every time because I have enough bikes with enough different tires that I can't remember. Um, so I will jot it down. I'll jot it down on the workbench or on the wall next to where I keep the pump, just something so I don't have to keep looking every time. Yeah, that's a good idea, Dwayne, is writing it down. I'll admit that I never do that because I don't think ahead like you do. Uh, but, you know, ranges will vary a lot depending on tire type and size. And generally, the wider the tire you have, the lower the range. So to give you an example, the relatively fat tires I have on my rad wagon, uh, the range is 35 to 65 pounds per square inch PSI or 2.4 to 4.5 bar if you live in that area of the world. But you compare that to a road tire, uh, which I don't actually have one on me because I no longer ride a road bike, but I used to pump that up to 120 PSI. So almost four times as high of a pressure. Um, and that's a narrow, skinny tire. So generally, the wider the tire, the lower the range. But you heard the range can be pretty wide, especially on fatter tires. You have a very large range. Well, of course, you don't inflate a tire to a range of pressures you have to kind of pick one and like you said sometimes the ranges can be you know 20 or 30 psi so 
I guess what we need to talk about is, you know, how do you pick a number in that range and, and why does it matter? And there are some advantages to being on the higher end of the range and there's some advantages to being on the lower end of the range. And maybe we should talk about, you know, how that works. So why would you pick something higher in the range? Well, there's a few advantages there. Less rolling resistance to your tires, which means they're easier to pedal. Um, it protects from pinch flats. I guess we should say what a pinch flat is. is uh, you know, a, a pinch flat is where you have compressed your tire so much that the tube gets pinched between the rim and the tire usually. Um, and that can cause it just to basically to puncture. Um, and mm-hmm. that's one of the most common ways of tires popping or at least tubes popping is under inflation that leads to a pinch flat when you hit a bump in the road or something like that and it pinches your tire. So if you have higher pressure in your tires, you're less likely to get those kind of flats. Um, it also protects the wheel from damage. Same kind of thing. If you hit a big bump with a high pressure tire, uh, it's going to take a lot of force to push through that tire and shove it into the rim. Um, not the same with a lower pressure tire. Yeah, but of course there are some corresponding disadvantages to higher pressure too, right? Higher pressure means a a harder tire, which means a harsher ride. You're going to feel the bumps more. You know, the the ride is not going to be as as smooth or as soft. One other thing I forgot about an advantage of higher pressure within the range is that's also usually higher weight capacity. So if you're a heavier person or you're carrying a heavier load on a cargo bike, uh, having higher pressure will allow you to carry that more easily and readily. Uh, but so, so let's switch gears. Um, what are the advantages of lower pressures within the range acceptable on the side of your tire? Well, it's kind of the flip side of the things we were talking about. Lower pressure will be a better, better ride, um, maybe more stable, and certainly can be better for soft surfaces. If you're talking about mud or sand or snow, like if you're doing a real off-road sort of thing on a fat tire bike, Sometimes low pressure can be better in those types of situations for traction. Yeah, it's actually something I read about the origins of fat tire bikes one day. Is uh, they were at least from the article I read, which I don't even know if I could find these days. But um, the fat tire bikes were developed with sand in mind, and so people would create fat. You know, started with fat tires and would drop their pressure down to like five psi, and use that to ride across beaches and sand. Um, and that's perfect for that. So your tire doesn't sink in the sand while you're riding because it spreads out with a low pressure. Not so great if you're on the road and smacking into rocks and sharp edges. Um, so, well, there are obviously disadvantages of lower pressure, and I think I just mentioned one, uh, potential for pinch flats, um, wheel damage, and then definitely more rolling resistance and harder to pedal. Uh, depending on how low you go will determine whether you actually notice those things, though. As long as you're staying within the acceptable range of pressure listed on your tire, you're probably not going to see a huge difference in the difficulty in pedaling. Um, you're not going to see a huge drop-off in range if you're staying within the pressure range of your tire. But there might be some adjustments. Meanwhile, honestly, I think you see a very large difference in comfort, um, and I think that's why most people will vary that pressure range, not so much for the other categories. Yeah, and to be clear, I think we're definitely recommending staying within the the recommended range on any tire. Mm-hmm. You can experiment a little bit. You can ride in the lower ranges. You can ride in the higher ranges. And 
and see if it makes any difference to you. So my personal uh, ride is, you know, my range on my bike is 35 to 65 PSI. I probably keep it somewhere in the 45 range. And if I know I'm going to have my daughter riding with me or I'm going to be carrying a lot of stuff on the back, I might increase it a little bit to 50, 55. I started out when I first got it thinking, you know, this is a cargo bike. I should, you know, boost it all the way to 65 so I have the max cargo carrying capacity. But honestly, that just became unnecessarily harsh and I never saw a lot of difference in anything else. So I reduced the pressure. Haven't had a problem since. Yeah, my Pedego bike has the uh, Fat Frank tires, which I like a lot. And the range, I think, is 40 to 60. Uh, and because I'm a, a larger rider and I want to uh, you know, protect the wheels and, and, and protect the, the tire and the tubes, I do tend to stay towards the high end of that range. I'm usually never at 60, but... Usually 55 or so. I get get pretty close to the high end. Okay. Well, let's talk about some best practices. So how often do you have to check your tires? I would say maybe every week. Maybe. I think so. I mean, if you're, if you're only riding once a week, uh, you probably should check it once a week. At some point, you know, all tires lose pressure. Mm-hmm. It's just it's the physics of how they work. They, they all lose pressure. It's nothing wrong with your tire. Uh, it's very normal, and you will get a sense after a while of how quickly your tire loses pressure, and maybe you only have to check it once every two weeks. But until you get that level of familiarity with your bike, you probably should be checking it every week. That's right, and one other interesting factoid, or at least interesting to me, is that usually the bigger or fatter the tire, the less frequently you'll have to check it or the or the slower it seems to lose pressure i'm assuming that has something to do with the ratio of volume to surface area of the rubber and the air permeating through it uh that's probably too geeky for most people and i haven't checked that at all but in any case i found on my rad wagons tires they really don't drop very fast and if i've boosted it up to a pressure in the 55 range they're not dropping down to anything unsafe anytime soon it could be several weeks um especially if the temperature hasn't changed too. If it gets cold out pretty fast, that makes a difference. Your, your, the air will um, will condense and uh, lose volume and pressure will drop faster. But otherwise, it takes a while for my tires to go. That said, you should check them frequently until you know what your tires do. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I know when I had a road bike with tires that were running 120 PSI, I think I, I topped them off every time I rode the bike. Yeah, absolutely. They just tended to lose pressure so quickly, but... And, and I would encourage everybody to get a tire gauge to do this, like squeezing the tire and kind of figuring out whether it's hard enough is not a very scientific <laughs> way to do this. And it just doesn't uh, work, right? Certainly. <laughs> right. And certainly if you're waiting until the tire looks like it's a little flat, you've waited too long. <laughs> hey, the way you can check if you're in a pinch, no pun intended, is if you have a fatter tire or something like that. If you get on the bike... Put all your weight on the front handlebars and squish down that front tire as far as you can go, and it doesn't give too much. You're probably safe to ride it, even if it may not be optimal. But that's that's the only way you can tell just bare minimums of safety, at least in, in my book, I think. So let's talk about how you inflate your tires. What are your options? And I think maybe in another episode we'll talk about like sort of more mobile options, things that you can carry with you. There's lots of cool... Uh, modern tech on this, but 
as far as being at home, mm-hmm. um, how do we inflate our tires? And I'll be the first to go out on a limb and say, I think everybody ought to own it. It's just a classic, you know, manual bike pump. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a really cool thing to have. It's a good thing to have as a backup. Um, you know, you can wear yourself out trying to pump up a, a big tire, but still, yeah, it's a good thing to have in the garage. And I've had a number of pumps over the years, but the uh, most recent pump I've, I have, I actually had for, I've had for like maybe seven years and it's done great. It's a Joe Blow. Um, that's a name. It's a Topeak Joe Blow. And I don't remember exactly which model it is, but it's a you know full size stand pump with a good readable gauge, and the valve on it or the the nozzle has a little flip handle to switch between Schrader and Presta valves, uh, which makes it workable for every bike in my stable. So, and it's very convenient, easy latches on really well, and has been extremely durable. So I've been very happy with that. Yeah, that's worth pointing out that any good bike pump should be able to handle both Schrader and Presta valves, either with an adapter or or in some fashion. Because these are, for those of you who don't know, Schrader valves are kind of like the ones that you see on your car. Um, Presta valves are the smaller, daintier, uh, skinnier valves that, that work a little bit differently uh, on some uh, bike tires. And um, any good bike pump will handle both of them without a problem. Uh, Presta valves, I think I've only ever seen them on on road style bikes. Or, or uh, I had a um, a hybrid twenty nine er at one point that was still relatively high pressure, relatively skinny tires, and things like that. But anywhere, anything you have like a, a fatter tire or a mountain bike tire, I've only seen Schrader valves. Yeah, yeah, the Prestas are definitely on skinnier tires for sure. Right. Also, I think whatever you're using for a bike pump, it should have a pressure valve built into it mm-hmm. because it's just the the workflow of pumping a tire and then stopping and then putting a putting a a, a gauge on. Um, it's a pain, but it also releases air every time you check the pressure. So you really want a pump that has a built-in gauge uh, for the most accuracy. Completely agreed. Even though they aren't the most accurate, they're better than. In my experience, they're better than having to take off the pump and put on a gauge. You probably have released enough air to make it less accurate than the only okayish uh, gauge on the pump in the first place. So, right. <laughs> exactly. So there are a lot of great electric pump options out there now. Technology has come a long way, and, and these pumps have become affordable and you know sort of available everywhere. Um, I will tell you the one that I have that I love, Jared. I know you have one that you love, mm-hmm. too. Um, mine is a Ryobi, which is the store brand from uh, Home Depot. And the cool thing about Ryobi tools is the, the wireless, you know, the battery-powered tools all sort of share a common battery, which a lot of the, you know, a lot of the different brands do. Um, and there are two or three different Ryobi, you know, battery-powered compressor-type tools um, I have the biggest one, which is the Ryobi One Plus 18-volt dual-function inflator-deflator. <laughs> wow, that's quite the name. Yeah, and it shares batteries with my, you know, my weed eater and my uh, blower and all that sort of thing, which is nice. And it has options to inflate everything in my life. It'll do low-pressure <laughs> type things like, uh, you know, pool rafts and, you know, that sort of thing, uh, or... Um, air mattresses, 
but will also inflate bike tires, car tires, and you just dial in the pressure that you want, turn the thing on, and, and let it go. And when it gets there, it shuts off. So it's real portable. I like that one a lot. No, that's a great option. Um, my my favorite thing is unsurprisingly not conventional when you're thinking about bike pumps, but I have a Schumacher uh, battery jump starter, and I should probably look at the actual model. Hold on. I brought it in here so I could look at it. The Schumacher battery extender BEO1255, which is probably not sold anywhere anymore because it's probably just some random number they throw on and redo every year. But effectively, it's a jump starter with a digital air compressor built in. It also has an AC inverter, so you can power some small devices, some USB ports, a little bit of everything. A uh, light, a work light, I guess, in case you're stuck on the side of the road with all these problems that you need all these ports for. Uh, But the biggest thing, as applied to here, and probably the thing I use it most frequently for, is the digital air compressor on it. Same kind of thing. You dial in uh, with a digital touchpad what pressure you want. You press a button, and it inflates and shuts off when you get there. So I use that on my bike. I use that to inflate all the tires on my cars. It'll handle all four tires with ease. And um, just generally works for everything. And it acts as a good uh, battery safety backup for, frankly, like hurricane season and anything like that around the house for, for cell phone charging and things like that. So, yeah, that's my favorite tool. Yeah, so those are just two examples, but there there are all kinds of uh, compressors out there. Any any hardware store you go into, any <laughs> you know Walmart or Target uh, will have different options. Sometimes you have to plug them into uh, your regular power outlet. Sometimes you just plug them into the twelve volt in your car, mm-hmm. or sometimes they're battery operated. But um, you know, it's just it's nice to have a pump that has because they have that like that that has the gauge built in. It shuts off uh, automatically. You don't have to think about it too much, and you don't have to uh, start your workout early with your foot pump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so somehow we've managed to talk for twenty minutes about putting air in your tires, but we we would like to hear from the listeners <laughs> if you guys have some advice about uh, keeping your tires inflated or uh, thoughts on on tire pressures and that sort of thing, uh, send them to us. So, yeah, 20 minutes on tire pressure. Um, Not really a surprise for the two of us, I don't think. I hope you enjoyed it out there. That's what they tune in for, Jerry. That's what they tune in for. So I hope our listeners, all of you out there, enjoyed. So if you enjoyed this episode or maybe some of the other ones, uh, please follow or subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter or email us at ebikeradio at gmail.com. Our contact information and links to the things we mentioned in the show, assuming I can find uh, some links to these old pieces of equipment I've got here, we'll put those in the show notes for you. And you can check out everything on www.ebikeradio.com. As always, thanks for listening and stay tuned to Electric Bike Radio. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs>